the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. It's still pretty early in the year. We're doing the first earnings season of 2021 dance, which is really a reflection of 2020's fourth quarter, which happens to be a mainly COVID-free quarter for the United States from 20, uh, let's see, 19. That's right. Uh, as far as a comparison goes. But last year when we were reporting first quarter or fourth quarter earnings in the first quarter, it was pretty clean. There was news traveling the world about this thing going on in China, Wuhan. So we got a lot to process, a lot to put on the table today, a lot to think about if you pick up what I'm putting down. Earnings season's fun. Microsoft... They did a nice job yesterday. We'll talk a little about that as the show continues to unfold. I still think there's some players from 2020 that benefited from us staying at home, from us not going to work and using work computers. There's companies like Best Buy and Microsoft, Logitech, Turtle Beach. Uh, You name the office equipment supplier, and they probably did pretty well. What's interesting to note, as we go back to work, we'll probably be due for some upgrades at work, technologically speaking. So I kind of feel that they're really benefiting tech companies. And again, I might be a little bit silly by making a blanket statement. That's very true. Something's going on on Wall Street that freaks me out. As much as I can be freaked out. You're seeing stocks that are basically losers, stocks that if you look at them as companies, you'd be like, you're not going to make it. People aren't going to movies anymore. AMC's down for the count. It's a 10 count. And it's like six, seven, eight, nine. And then out of nowhere, GameStop and AMC get back up and start punching. They start going Rocky Balboa on Apollo Creed in the market, going up 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 150, 200, 250, 300, 350%. These are stocks that should be gone and wiped out. Now they're the champions of the market. And you look at their finances and you go, you are a 10-pound weakling. (laughs) Like, this makes no sense. You can't beat Mr. T. And that's concerning. It's irrational. Remember how in some recent episodes I talked about how back in 1998, 99, 2000, there were some companies that just creeped me out. I get Yahoo. I get that everyone started searching there. I didn't get web pages like 
digital cities or geocities. Uh, I got pets.com, but it was too soon. We didn't have the fulfillment centers across the country and the ability to get to people's home while getting them pet food, which to me, for most Americans, excuse me, I've got a great dog, 0111011. She's awesome. And I would, I would give her a live deer if I could give her a live deer. I'm not a hunter, so I can't give her a live deer. I don't even know if she would eat live deer or dead deer in this case. Live deer would but dog food's dog food to me. And it didn't, there weren't the margins in it. AMC, last time I checked, a lot of people aren't going to movies and a lot of movie uh, cha- uh, chains aren't showing movies because the movies that they're showing are things like E.T. from 30, 40 years ago, which is lovely if you have kind of a retro thing going on with your children. But you get the idea. So the winners of this market right now are the exact opposite of what you want it to be. Right now, I feel you want it to be dollar getting stronger plays, international plays, uh, reopening trades, maybe a financial company here or there, companies that that lit money and saw some companies go down. The AMCs and GameStops of the world shouldn't be doing well. Now, GameStop, a little misunderstood. I get it. Selling video games is an interesting business because it's gone mostly digital. But Xbox and Sony kind of threw a, a bone to GameStop and said, we'll make some cheaper versions of our consoles that have CDs so that you can sell DVD, Blu-ray kind of product at your store. It's part of helping keep the ecology alive. Kind of like watering the, the grass in a desert. It's not a great idea, but I get it. And when you see a golf course in the middle of a desert, you're like, this is surreal. So these companies should not be leading the way. It should be stay-at-home companies. It should be reopening companies. It should be financial companies. The winner winner chicken dinner shouldn't be companies that are anemic, that are running out of cash, and really aren't pulling in revenues. Within reason. I get buying when things are down. I get buying low. But right now, there's something going on in Reddit that I don't really want to explain, but maybe I'll do it tomorrow or the next day. That when you short a stock, it's opposite of going long. So you basically sell high and you want to buy low. In the case of GameStop and AMC, there was real questions of whether they were going to survive or not. So if you can get the stock at three, four, five dollars, you try to sell it at a penny or buy it at a penny because you're doing opposite. If I really liked Microsoft's results, I would buy today thinking I could sell it in 10 years to somebody else. After 10 years of growth, someone else might come along and go, this is lovely. I would like some Microsoft. So going long means you buy low, sell high. Going short means you sell high and buy low. And it makes no sense. But I'm going to drop that for now, other than tell you, don't play that game. It ends badly when you're playing in the most speculative, dangerous part of the waters. Like, you, you know, three miles offshore, there's there's great white sharks. Let's not go. We can go swimming there because sharks tend not to eat humans, right? But let's not go and like slaughter whales and dolphins and chum it up and, and make it just like, hey, come get me, dude. Very dangerous part of the market. AMC and GameStop. And because some guys on Reddit basically like corporate America sucks. 
Corporate America, they're shorting these companies. They're anti-American, man. They're, they're betting these companies are going to be losers. And again, I don't really like people who short, so I kind of agree with it. But I'm not going to go on Reddit and say, let's screw them over and buy shares of the company when it's cheap. And that's exactly what's happening. People are throwing good money into bad companies in oil to in order to kind of poo-poo what the short sellers are trying to do. That is a civil war that I want to stay away from. The chum, I, I don't want to be a part of. Because I assure you this ends badly. I don't know when. And I assure you that some people have invested $25,000 in crappy little companies like GameStop and made $10 million. $10 million! But that's like a lottery winner. It's not going to be you is my guess. So sorry if I failed you in any way, shape, or form, but it is what it is. Microsoft had a blowout quarter. AMD did too. Starbucks topped estimates, but disappointed with same-store sales. The old SSS. Boeing bombed in a quarter. 3M was upgraded. Woo! That's what I like seeing. Tonight, we get Apple, Facebook, and Tesla. The three horsemen of the resurgence or the three horsemen of the apocalypse on the market. Tune in tomorrow for another episode of Rob Black and Your Money. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Tomorrow, I'll be on the 6 a.m. show. A little bit of new programming is that I've taken over the Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. So not only do you get 10 hours of me Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., but you'll be picking me up what I'm putting down Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays around the CFP Chad Merchant Show. Tomorrow morning, one of my 6 a.m. spots. These are going to be very generic, evergreen. They're not going to be market updates. Because uh, the market's not open until 6.30 Pacific time. So I don't kind of like living in the first 30 minutes of the market. I think that's called amateur hour, as is the last hour on Wall Street. Uh, you never want to rush into things. You never want to rush out. You kind of want to see how the market's playing just so you can try to get fair pricing. Today, the market's open lower. And if they go down all day long, I would have been happy to let that trend continue before I bought. But if I rushed in at the beginning and said, oh, quick little sale. Again, sometimes you lose on that that kind of mentality, but I tend not, the, the markets are inefficient at the beginning and at the end. So one of the things I'm going to talk about tomorrow, Suze Orman. She is my nemesis. She doesn't know who I am, I think, other than that she's met me at KRON a couple times. So she kind of knows of me, but I don't think she looks well upon people who are not her, if that makes any sense. If you could put her in front of a camera, if you can give her a book deal, if you can give her notoriety with a speech, she loves you. But if you're just a common everyday person, she looks down. I have a big takedown segment on her tomorrow morning in the six o'clock hour. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Nearly 20% of renters in America are behind on their payments. That is a big negative. An astounding $57.3 billion is owed by more than 10 million renters. Someone's going to get hosed in this one. Will it be the landlords or will it be the tenants? Will the landlords say, fine, get out, move, and raise the rent to make up the money? Probably, in a lot of the cases. Some of the cases, people make good. 
Um, but it's $57.3 billion. That is very dicey. Now, keep in mind, during the pandemic, we saved billions and billions and billions. And every day as it goes a little bit longer here and there, and I go, I, I take a look on television and I see, like, people are going to high school in Florida? I bet they're going to beaches in Florida. I bet they're going on vacation in Florida. And they are. Parts of our country, and this is just the weirdest part about the United States of America. We are the divided states. We differ like gold and clay. But I could tell you when I see them, I want to be them and I want to spend money. And I want to show them what the mighty Californian can do with his money versus what the, the little Floridian can do. Now, I'm kind of exaggerating there, but I'm building up pent up anxiety that I have to spend some money soon. I talked with a man, a friend yesterday, great man, great man, friend of mine named Matt. And we talked a lot about like COVID and he has not left his home to go outside of Alameda. Alameda for outsiders is kind of an island. I would refer to it as a cement island. It's not all cement, but it's kind of a man-made area in my mind. That's the best way of explaining it. It's not huge. It's not small. He's, he's left for a little bit of business here and there, but essentially he and his family have sheltered in place now for a year. Um, there's some interesting situations on why he chooses to be that strict, but you turn on the news and you, turn, you look at Florida and like some guy, threw, oh, some guy in Southern California threw a happy 15th birthday for 35 of his daughter's 15 year old friends. No mass, partying it up, whooping it up. And I'm like, I want to whoop it up. Anyway. What I'm getting at is pent up demand on a story like nearly 20% of renters in America are behind on their payments. I do see that as negative. I see that as Americans struggling and that $57 billion, someone's going to lose, whether it's the landlord or the renter or the bank, someone's going to lose. And that's not, but that's a small loss compared to what we've saved. The Dow's lower today. The S&P 500 falls 1% from a record high. Where were you when the S&P 500 was at an all-time high? Uh, here yesterday, you were not a child suckling on your mother. You were not, you were not a high school boy trying to figure out how to tackle a, a big 200 pound man in foot. No, no, no. It was yesterday. You weren't in world war two with your grandfather. No, it was, it was yesterday. But man, when there's a down market, do we not exaggerate the feelings of it? I know I do. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The reopening is going to be fascinating. One of the areas that I'm reading a lot of corporate research on right now is gambling. And I can go through some sports stocks tied towards gambling or some gambling stocks tied towards sports that analysts are starting to gleam onto. One of them is a company I told you about last March, DraftKings. When I got bored during the first month of the lockdown, I was like, I'm going to study horse racing on weekends. And I did. And it's a stupid sport and no one should do it. But because he could really have a horse just literally like maybe he's constipated and he's just not going to come in the top three. I never bet on winners. I always bet on a top three angle. I'm looking to win 10 cents. I'm not looking to win $10 million. Anyway, DraftKings is out there set to benefit. Boyd Gaming is out there set to benefit. If you believe that sports will somehow tie into the reopening and not anxiety lifted and us hanging out together. Void gaming should deliver strong 
Through lower industry reinvestment dynamics, Boyd appears to have made a good decision partnering with FanDuel to offer sports betting as FanDuel has become the dominant share in legalized sports. Again, playing off DraftKings. Another gambling angle, and again, is it degenerative? Probably. Is it good for our society? Probably not. Win Resorts is in there. Caesars Entertainment. Las Vegas Sands. A friend of mine just got back from Vegas, and he's like, the food is awesome. I'm like, you went to Vegas? Like, I'd like to go to Vegas, and yet, I, in my mind, I'm like, don't get on planes. In my mind, I'm like, don't stay in hotels. So I can't wait. And again, I like Vegas for the food, too. I'm not a big gambler. When I gamble, I gamble with a small amount of money. I tend to win in single-hand blackjack, but I don't play any other sport. I don't play any other card game. I don't like them. Odds are against me. Single hand, if you play by the rules, you'll do well. But you got to know the rules. And you have to be a robot. You can't drink. Penn National Gaming is in there. Ticker symbol P-E-N-N. MGM Properties. Ticker symbol number MGP. Las Vegas casinos could take time to recover from COVID-19, but regional casinos should recover more quickly, and that's where MGM is good. They do like the showboats in Louisiana. Uh, Showboats, gambling riverboats. So a lot of gambling in the South. I know I'm speaking to people in California who are afraid to go east of the Rocky Mountains, but there's a big river called the Mississippi, M-I-S-S-I-S-S, cook letter, cook letter, hunchback letter, crunchback, like, yeah, right? And they have casinos in the river. It's pretty cool. It's different. It's a night out. It's typically pretty good food because they want you there. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Coming up, the one and the only, briefing.com and Patrick O'Hare. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So, this is a band called The Interpreters, or The Interrupters. Interrupters. Uh, it could be the interpreters if they work for the UN. But it's a great line. Um, I'm a match she's kerosene. And that describes my life many times over. And sometimes it describes Wall Street, in my opinion. Um, let's bring in Patrick O'Hare and let's talk about this market. And uh, it's fascinating because we have the ultra uber speculative stocks, companies that were down for the 10 count. They hit nine and a half and they got back up GameStop and AMC. It's something that I'm getting a lot of questions on from people in radio and television that I work with, Pat. People want to know, should I jump in? And I'm like, eh, I personally won't, but I get it. Um, <laughs> when that's a story, that's not a good story because the guys who are down for the count nine and a half and they've been beat up the whole fight, rarely do they win. What are you making of the speculators leading the market, Mr. O'Hare? Well, it's, it's definitely fascinating. You know, I think we've been around long enough to uh, know that this is actually, I think, something you could say that, that is different. Um, sure, you you know, you can have, uh, say it reminds one of, you know, the dot-com craze, right, where, you know, a company would put a, come out and say they put a dot-com on their name and you'd see a, you know, 50, 60, 70% spike in the stock. But these things are, these things are just going up. Uh, in a crazy fashion um, in what, you know, others might deem collusion, really. Um, so That's you can fair. have a, a, an orchestrated 
a mob, um, you know, going together with, with groupthink here and certainly putting a lot of pressure on on a lot of, uh, I guess, quote, professional investors who, you know, had more of a fundamental basis for why they were short the stock than these uh, organizers do, certainly for why they're buying the stock today. Now, it's just a game is really all it is. And, uh, and they're going to ride it for all it's worth. But uh, it's definitely, you know, it, it, it's not something that Personally, I enjoy watching. I, I mean, it's fascinating, but it's it's kind of unnerving and alarming, and uh, uh, not really a good sign, I think, for uh, you know market integrity. It's Gary Jules has that song. It's a mad, mad world, and it, it kind of is when you see like GameStop go up four hundred percent, roughly, on what you said is mob mentality. Some guys at Reddit decided to thumb their nose at professional investors, short sellers of the market, who are kind of bottom feeders, who are kind of important. Maybe they're the great whites who kind of keep the ocean from getting overpopulated. I like it. I like them. I'm not against them. But um, it's a mad world when the insiders at GameStop didn't make any of the money. They all sold while the stock was at $1, $2. And the people that are making money, I'm not even, I want to drop it right there because I don't want people to think that people are really making money. What they're making is kind of opportunity. I don't even know how to describe this, but it's a mad, mad world. Um, should well, we stay on this topic or, or move on to earnings? Up to you. Well, if I could just, you know, add, I mean, it's, you know, they are, I guess, to their credit, taking advantage of a, you know, of a situation that is is right for the taking, frankly. Um, and, you know, that gets you into all sorts of issues as it relates to, you know, regulation and, and all of that. But, um you know, the word collusion obviously has some, some you know, legal meaning to it, but I don't mean to say that, uh, you know, it's not like one person is doing something illegal. It's just, it is that group momentum, that group think that does take over. And and a lot of people, if they're actually selling these these particular stocks on the way up, are making a great deal of money. There's no question about it. And, um, uh, but it is just something that, you, you know, the market has always had, there's always been a little bit of a casino gamesmanship element in the market. It's just a fact of the matter, right? This one is just supersized to a degree that we, I don't think we've ever seen. And, uh, but what we've all seen is when you get into moments like this, um, it's not going to end well. And so we're certainly on the greatest fool watch right now, as it relates to buying the likes of AMC and GameStop and express and Blackberry and all of that, uh, trading at these, uh, you know, truly high levels that don't uh, have any fundamental justification. And uh, there are people who are going to get burned. Um, but, you know, it's a matter of uh, it's not a matter of, of if it's just a question of when. And uh, so far, people are still <laughs> taking out OK. It's interesting because I guess we're staying on the topic for a little bit longer. Elon Musk came out yesterday and tweeted a little bit about what's going on with GameStop. And you're saying there's a mob. I'm going to call them the Reddit mob because I kind of want to classify them. It's more than just that, but that's where I think the the nexus is. He comes out and tweets one word where he's basically laughing at the situation about GameStop. And I, I, you could probably draw a parallel that he was an incredibly shorted stock. GameStop was incredibly shorted. AMC is incredibly shorted. Barron's came out with a list of 10 incredibly shorted stocks that aren't going to survive. And I'm sure the guys at Reddit are looking at it like, here's our next million. Um, right. <laughs> but I think Musk was the first example of this. Like, 
people like me would say they're losing money. This doesn't make sense to give them 20 times sales or 30 times sales or four. And it kept going higher and higher and higher. And I, I think Reddit might have been behind that one, too, in a weird kind of collusion conspiracy kind of way. I don't know. Well, I, if I can I interject, my Rob, I mean, the, the thing that really caught my attention yesterday was when Chamath Palahapitiya came out and said he was buying out-of-money call options on the, on the stock. I saw and that. Uh, he's a, a highly regarded, well-respected uh, individual investor, or not a professional investor, frankly. And I wasn't quite sure what to make, what to make of it. I, I don't know if maybe he's got a grudge against the guy who runs Melvin Capital or something. I, I have no idea, but that was really intriguing to me. And, and you want to talk about pouring fuel on a fire is that, you know, the, the Reddit crowd all of a sudden kind of had this, this backing of a, of a highly respected professional investor kind of saying, hey, go for it, guys. Uh, and then, you know, you get someone like Elon Musk after hours, you know, tweeting what he tweeted. And, and then and that's just, you know, it's like, like a you know a message from God you know uh, for a lot of these people so um, it, it's just extraordinary and um, you know it's 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 something that uh, again I think is not going to end well but um, but it's just fascinating to watch. Just to give people perspective, your first line of page one today, which I love to read every single morning. Uh, shares of AMC Entertainment are up two hundred seventy seven percent in pre market, and I'm like. This is going to be fun. Um, but your writing today was beautiful, just between me and you and the audience here. Microsoft had a blowout quarter. AMD did, too. Starbucks topped estimated estimates, but disappointed. Boeing bombed with its quarterly results. 3M was upgraded. Very wonderful, nicely, well-written, good pacing. Good job going back to college. <laughs> uh, I like the way you're able to put Wall Street information into a quick summation, because I think it helps people. Um, so... What are, you, what are you making of earnings season so far, if I can change the topic with two minutes left? Sure, sure. Well, thank you for that. And I mean, earnings season is, is going great uh, okay. in terms of uh, the reports relative to expectations. Now, we're still looking at earnings themselves being down on a year-over-year basis, but the market was well aware that that was likely to be the case. But you're getting such large beats that that, uh, that decline is really coming down. I mean, it was at double digits uh, at the end of uh, December, and now we're kind of in the low single-digit decline. So you can get a sense for how, how great the, uh, the beats are relative to expectations. Now, the reactions to the results have been lackluster, frankly, um, in most cases. We saw that with financials. We've seen that now with a you know, stock like AMD, which had a great great quarter and had really good commentary. And I think it's just sort of a reflection of a market that does does acknowledge that it, it's gotten ahead of itself or certainly realizes it's come a long way in a short amount of time. And a lot of good news was priced in and pulled forward already. And so kind of indicative of a market, I think, that knows and that it needs to rest here, if not actually enter uh, into a correction correction phase. So today is going to be the big one, the, the big three horsemen. Will they be horsemen of the apocalypse or will it be horsemen of giving the market support? Tesla, Apple are following in the footsteps of Microsoft. It's a big earning week as well for Apple, Facebook, Tesla, are the big three tonight. Um, yep. Where do you think the market breaks? Do we break back to the stay-at-home tech stocks? Do we break towards the reopening, like the Visas and the MasterCards uh, transactions? Uh, if you were to guess... And I, I'm putting you on a stupid spot, but we're digesting right now. I think is what I just got from you. Where, where do you mm -hmm. think the next market after the digestion goes? 
Well, I think you, I think you do go back to the pro-cyclical type trades. Um, you know, I, you've seen some of these mega caps perk up lately, just kind of in a little bit of a defensive move, I think, because they offer they have such great liquidity, and you know that they're likely going to post some really good results. Um, but, you know, if you kind of get to the general de-risking effort where a little bit of, you know, everything kind of retreats, uh, I think the market knows it needs to reset a bit, needs to rest, uh, and then it will likely get back into motion favoring this pro-cyclical trade, which coincidentally is probably going to be supported today, I would think, by the commentary from Fed Chair Powell. Uh, he certainly isn't going to want to do anything to disrupt uh, something, uh, isn't going to want to disrupt his effort to improve the economy through monetary policy. And he might say a little something about the speculative action seen, being seen in the stock market, but I think in general his larger takeaway message is that he doesn't think that the market itself overall is highly priced, you know, relative to where interest rates are. Uh, and he's going to reiterate that message that the Fed's going to continue, uh, is not going to be raising interest rates anytime soon, is going to continue with his asset purchases. And it's reminders like that that will feed into this mentality to, to buy on uh, any near-term near weakness, I would think. Thank you so much. I have to cut you short because we've got about 30 seconds. I want to give you the proper plug. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. Briefing.com is so much more than Patrick O'Hare, but I start my day with it. Sometimes throughout the day, I'll check on ticker symbols of companies that I want to follow or that might be story stocks the following day. It's a wonderful resource of market information on the U.S. as well as international markets. I honestly don't think I could live without it as an investor. Find it at briefing.com. Find Patrick O'Hare starting every day on the page one. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black. You're not. Last night was a biggie in the Bay Area of California. What do I mean by biggie? Not an earthquake, no. We had a nice size earthquake, was it 7 to 10 days ago? 14 days ago. A couple weekends ago. It was down in the Santa Cruz Mountains, which is for outsiders maybe an hour outside of San Francisco. Santa Cruz is home of a beach, home of vampires, home of... Well, you get the idea. Roughly 35 million American homes have some sort of risk, serious risk, high risk of natural disaster. Not like, uh, I'm trying to think of risky scenarios, like when you date a prostitute. No, 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 can't do that on radio. That's inappropriate. Like when you, um, I don't want to say go out in a rainstorm with lightning. No, no. High risk, like when you drink and drive. Difference between drinking and driving with nothing, drinking and driving with six, drinking and driving with 12, drinking and driving with 18. This is kind of like in that 10 to 12 area uh, as far as core studies go. Roughly 35 million homes or nearly one-third of the nation's housing stock are at high risk. Not low risk, high risk of a natural disaster. And it got me thinking last night because the storm, the rain, rain, go away, was coming down hard. And I've got a roof. Rains and roofs don't go together. Rains and gutters don't go together. So I was like, uh-oh, I've got trees next to me. I live kind of on a small hill near a creek. Hills and what rain, one inch of rain an hour don't go together. So I, I went to bed thinking, I might die tonight. 
not a good thought, right? But here are the seven biggest home disaster hazards. Earthquake, wildfire, inland floods, severe convective storms. I don't know what convective is. I need to go back to high school. No, but I'm imagining thunder, lightning, wind, uh, lack of visibility on the highways. Maybe that's what a severe convective storm is. How about a winter storm? Hurricanes and tropical storm, coastal surge and winds. So those are the big ones that you're at risk at. And those are normal risks for us. The high risk hits a third of our homes. And I'm probably in that third that could be hit with a wildfire. I'm in California. It's dry. I could be hit with an earthquake at any moment. I could be hit with an inland flood. I live at the base of a mountain. I could be hit with storms. Not so much. California is pretty nice with storms. We don't get that East Coast lightning and thunder crazy. It's in. It's furious. And oh, it's calm. California's kind of got two seasons. It's got the wet season and it's got the dry season. It doesn't have winter or summer or fall or spring. And I know that's some dissecting hairs there, but I miss the East Coast in the four seasons versus the two seasons of the West Coast. Uh, winter storms, we got those up in the Sierras. If you turned on the news last night, three hours from the Bay Area, got over a foot of snow in one day. They're going to have five feet by Saturday. Many people, some people, not many, some people will die in car crashes. Some people will freeze to death. Some refrigerators will go bad. I know you're saying, you're sad about refrigerators going bad? I am. But I don't have to worry about hurricanes, or do I? In the year 2001 or 2002, there was a hurricane, a tornado near San Francisco. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. And in Southern California, they get hit with hurricanes that kind of sweep through Mexico, uh, northern Mexico, Southern California. Not often. Usually it's coastal. Usually it's, it's small, but it happens. So why do I bring this up? Because one of the biggest investments I have is my home. And do I have flood insurance? Have I read my insurance contracts? Have you read your insurance contracts? The answer is probably not. Because we all know what they are. There are 47 pages that you have to scroll down quickly and hit the checkbox, yes, that you read it. Or you have to sit there and read 47 pages, which for most Americans would take about four evenings. So know what risks are and how comfortable you are. And if you do have a company like USAA or Geico, or if you have an insurance agent with Allstate, find out if you're in good hands and call them up and say, last night there was a lot of rain. I've heard media stories that Rain, if like wind blows my windows open, yeah, you'll cover my windows. But if a flood comes down the mountain, that's an act of God. In the 21st century, are we really quoting acts of God versus global warming? I get it. I'm not saying, I'm not going total negative audio. I'm just trying to go with a broad brush stroke of do you know your risk? You should. Um, here's an example of knowing your risk. When I first moved to California, Oakland is the sister city right across the bay from San Francisco. And then you get the redheaded cousin 
called San Jose, which is at the bottom of the bay. But we won't go there. Don't even get me started on Milopolis because I could go off on that. But Oakland, when I first moved to California, there was lovely homes up in the Oakland Hills. Some millionaires and billionaires live in the Oakland Hills because uh, from the Oakland Hills, you can see San Francisco and the sun setting and the Golden Gate Bridge, which I like calling it the Golden Great Bridge. And then every other bridge is like, well, that's the Carquina Suck Bridge. So I, I name my bridges the way I want to name them. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so when I first got to California, Oakland was burning, the hills in Oakland. And I was like, whoa. And I told my TV station, Cron, I'm like, if you give me ten, give me $100,000, I'll go buy 10 houses in California. And they're like, you can't do that. I'm like, yeah, I can. I'll go to the house that's on fire, and I'll knock on his neighbor's door and said, hey, it looks like your house may burn down. Can I buy it for $10,000? And they said, you'll get shot. I'm like, yes, I would. But what was interesting about that is how many homes burned down and how big of losses were. Because people had insurance against fires. Sure. But they bought the house 30 years ago and the rebuilding cost had quadrupled on them and they weren't covered. Rebuilding cost is a risk. If you've had an insurance policy for 5, 10, 15 years, have things gone up? Have it got more expensive to get a contractor out? Yes. You should know your risks because disasters happen and they happen all the time, surprisingly. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com.